This episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast is brought to you by our new sponsor, Oakley. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not just the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. Hey there, Knicks fans. How's it going? Uh, it's your boy John of the Macri with you for a midweek edition of the lunch break. As we are now, uh, oh, let's see how quick I could do do the old the old math. Um, Fifty four hours away from the official start of free agency. Um, uh, <laughs> as we. I just noticing uh, something that I don't know who retweeted this. Uh, someone put this on the shout out to all of my Substack readers, by the way, you guys have been on fire in the, in the chat last few days. I'm, I'm loving the conversations that go on there. They're just like so much better than Twitter. Um, I'll get to what this is in a second. Uh, so another relatively quiet last 24 hours since I was on here. Um, you know, we got, what do what did, we really, yeah, we got the Knicks are still interested in Dante DiVincenzo. Went through that whole thing yesterday. Um, and then nothing really going on last night. Bunch of option decisions today. Nothing nothing big, nothing unexpected so far. Um, I guess the big news of the day so far is from the Jake Fisher report uh, from a little while ago. Uh for Yahoo that the Houston Rockets are planning on making a two-year max contract offer to Fred Van Fleet, um, which would be in excess of $80 million over two years. I, I find this interesting for a couple of reasons, mostly because I do think that there needs to be, sometimes all it takes is one domino um, and we originally thought that maybe it was going to be Harden going to Houston. That doesn't appear to be the case. Uh, you know, we thought maybe it was going to be Chris Middleton going to Houston. That doesn't appear to be the case. The report uh, from Mark Stein earlier today is that it looks all indications are that the Bucks are bringing back their big guys, uh, Middleton and Brooke Lopez, which should theoretically in turn ensure that um, Giannis Antetokounmpo remains happy for the foreseeable future. Maybe they get Giannis to agree to extend off of his uh, current contract, which expires in two years uh, this October when he has the opportunity to do so. That is going to be a big, big, big story worth watching. Who knows? Maybe he's conveyed to them that if you don't bring these guys back, I am not extending. We don't know. But Van Fleet going to Houston, I think, would count as a domino for a few reasons. One, it would take the biggest free agency player off the market in terms of I think the Houston Rockets are the only ones only team out there right now who could offer a full max. Now there are other teams with a lot of cap space that could probably, you know, machinate their way to getting to a max offer, but uh Houston's the only one that has it right now. So, you know, are there any other players out there that would be, 
even worthy of a max. You could argue that Fred, Fred Van Fleet is not worthy of a max. Um, but there are certainly players out there who are looking to get paid a lot of money. And if Van Fleet goes there, well, that takes that off the market. And then on the flip side, what does Toronto do? Um, assuming Van Fleet goes to Houston thus far, uh, and there was a report, I think, for a little while ago from... Uh, Make sure I get this right uh, from someone. Uh, <laughs> it's great reporting here. Uh, Tim Tim Kawakami, uh, who covers the Warriors for the Athletic, he's uh, he's really good. He's on his stuff. Apparently, the Raptors rejected an offer of Jordan Poole for Ochi Ananobi. Uh, that's not saying much because obviously Ananobi is better asset than Jordan Poole. But like teams are clearly calling the Raptors, and if Van Fleet leaves, do the floodgates open there? Do the floodgates? Partially open? Can you can you partially open floodgates? I feel like the whole reason the analogy works is because if you open floodgates even one inch, then they will just be completely open. <laughs> That's why they're floodgates because it's a flood behind the gates. Um, no, but I I don't I don't know. I mean, it seems like Masai Ujiri wants to kind of toe the line between tearing it all down and and staying maybe staying with this exact group. So I don't know. I don't know what that means. I am continually fascinated by the OG Ananobi situation, I'll call it, to the extent that there is a situation. If only because it feels like the the Raptors are dancing a kind of a dangerous dance here with a guy who we've said it so many times, and for anybody who may be new to the show or hasn't gotten this from anywhere else, even with the new rules of the CBA where you can now extend for up to 140% of a player's current salary as opposed to 120% of a player's current salary. Um, that is still below in my estimation. And I think everybody's estimation, OG Ananobi's market value. So lost Kyle Lowry, not for nothing, but more or less for nothing. I know they got um, the center from Miami back in that trade who, you know, maybe he's good. We'll see uh, if you lose Van Vliet for nothing. And then you're going to turn around and, and lose OG Ananobi potentially for nothing in a year. Um, or lose him for far less than you would be able to get for him right now. I I don't know. I, I think that's an interesting situation. So the Van Fleet thing maybe sets up that domino. We'll see. Um, the other, I mean, look, the, the big, I don't even want to call it a rumor, but like there does seem to be, you know, if last summer was the summer of what's going on in Utah, uh, this would seem to be the summer of what's going on in Cleveland. Um, Brian Winhorse went on a Cleveland radio station last um, yesterday and seemed to imply that there was there's something's up. Something's going on. He's heard some stuff and he's still very plugged in in Cleveland, obviously, because he covered that team or he, he was from there and he covered that team, you know, for a very long time. Certain conclusions were drawn in some corners of the internet that perhaps that something was um, Donovan Mitchell related. There was word today uh, from Sam Amick um, that who is an NBA reporter that's been around a long time. He doesn't work for any of the major outlets, and he certainly had more uh, misses than hits. <laughs> I'll be polite uh, over the recent years in term when it comes to rumors, but he reported that maybe they're listening to offers on Garland. Uh, and then just a little while ago, and I think it was Alex, I think this was you, uh, 
put this in the Substack chat, which is how I saw it, which is why I retweeted it. Um, Chris Fedor, uh, who is as plugged in to the Cavs as anyone, he's works for cleveland.com um put out the Cavs had not had any discussions about trading all-star point guard darius garland and don't intend to move him sources say um i mean people have even speculated maybe mobley's on the move uh there's been a ton of speculation over the last since they got eliminated really that maybe they look to move jared allen and try to upgrade use him to upgrade somewhere i mean they're just but it seems very clear that the Cavs are not at the moment content to sit and just run the same team back. And I, I, for, I should know this. I, I think they have access to the full non-taxpayer mid-level. Maybe they, maybe they don't, maybe it's just the, no, I think they have access to the full non-taxpayer mid-level or they could get there pretty easily, whatever. They'll be able to add a piece you know, and they'll certainly be connected to guys and somebody good will want to go there. Maybe as they're starting small forward, I don't know, you know, but they also have like Levert in terms of a contract thing there. So like, there's a lot of uncertainty there. I, I, I don't know. I, I, we could get it. We'll see where the questions are today and what you guys want to talk about. We could, we could do the whole Mitchell thing, even though we did the whole Mitchell thing last summer. Is it different now? Yes. We have more information now. We have more information on what this next team looks like than it, we did a year ago, a year ago. We didn't know Jalen Brunson was going to be a, a player of, I mean, I, even though those of us who are highest on him, which I count myself among that group, um, I don't know that I I was at this level. So there's that. We got another year of evidence from IQ. He was really good. We got another year of evidence from RJ. Up and down, good playoffs, the whole thing. The whole thing. We know, we know, we know the parameters. So if you guys want to talk about that, we can talk about that. I, you know, whatever. And then, um, I guess I'll end with the Levine part of the Fisher report. So uh, Jake Fisher, just go ahead and go right to his story. Um, the Bulls, there's a lot of noise about the Bulls, basically. Um, Justin, I may have to have you come up here for like 10 seconds so I can go shut off my dryer, which continues to make noise for some reason. Um, but there seems to continue to be a lot of noise around Zach Levine and the potential that the Bulls could look to move him. I think the more interesting part of it from the Fisher story from earlier, from again, literally this story just dropped like a half an hour ago is that he made sure to put the spotlight on the fact that this is not just like a roster issue in terms of like a purely on court issue for the Bulls with the whole Levine thing. This is very much a money issue for the Bulls. And if you know anything about the Bulls history under Jerry Reinsdorf, like, you know, I don't know how else to say it. They they kind of nickel and dime it. Um, they, they're, they, this is not an organization that unless they're, I mean, we say it all the time, like owners are not going to go into the tax unless they have a contender. Like the Bulls want under Reinsdorf want absolutely zero part of going into the tax. It's not going to happen. So they're sitting there and they got Vooch, who's an unrestricted free agent. He can just walk, but they want to bring him back, which Fisher notes in the article. And like, there's been, you know, I think I saw a report last week about maybe he's willing to come for a hometown discount or some, some such thing. Like, if he's going to resign in Chicago, I mean, maybe he gives them a, a, a break on the years, but like, 
what's the least he's going to sign for? Three for 60? Two for 50? Or something like that? Like, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I wouldn't be in the Nikola Vucevic business if I, I well, if I was alive. I think it's going to take a very unique situation for that guy to work out, especially, you know, at this, not especially at the center position, because that's all he could play. He's not, he's a, he's a five. Um, he's a five who can't protect the rim worth the shit. Uh, and his three point shot is like very much theory. Like it's not even in, it's not even theoretical. It was like good for one year and he's been in the league for however many years, eight years. So, you know, um, but they want to bring him back because they traded a bunch of shit for him and they want to lose him for nothing. And then there's Levine who's sitting there with a year left on his deal. And I don't think Levine, I don't think he made all NBA, but he was like right there. You know, he's a, he's one of the, you know, 15 best isolation scorers in basketball, 15, 20. Um, he's been everything the Bulls could possibly hope for. He's going to want, he's going to want a new deal. Uh, and so, like, and, you know, they 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 have no point guard. Lonzo Ball is probably the most toxic contract in the NBA, either him or Ben Simmons. Uh, you know, they're probably it looks like they're going to try to bring Kobe White back. Kobe White's not going to. I mean, look at go look at Kobe White's numbers. Shoots the ball well, good. You know, nice six man, seventh man, whatever. To come in. I mean, he's not a perfect player by any means, but like he's going to cost money. Patrick Williams is extension eligible. Like they got you know, Caruso's there. His, I mean, actually Caruso, I think there's, he has two more years left on his deal, but all these guys got to get paid and they're sitting there and they're looking at this situation. And it's again, this team is not going to go into the luxury tax. They're just not. So that's why the Levine stuff should absolutely be, be believed in terms of like, they're looking around and yeah, they, as Fisher reports as, and as has been reported elsewhere, um, by Mark Stein, I think, by Chris Haynes, but it's been reported in several places. Like the Bulls are asking a lot. Of course, they're going to ask for a lot. But I got to tell you, I, I to me, this reeks of a situation where it's like it, we'll ask for a lot. We're not going to sell. I mean, they're not going to sell Bradley Beal low. Like they're not going to make a trade where they don't get like a meaningful player and or meaningful picks back. They're not going to do that. But like Levine is definitely a situation where I could see. And again, you got to keep in mind, what are the goals of the Reindorfs? The goals of, the, of, of Jerry Reinsdorf is to A, make money and B, be like good enough. The Bulls are the poster child for, for NBA mediocrity for the last decade. That's they're fine living there. They're fine getting the playoffs. Maybe they went a playoff round. Like that's they went all in on this team with the ball thing and the and, and the, the rules and things. So if that's the goal, like and you look at around the league and it's like, okay, well, what sort of trade are they going to be looking for? I I don't know. And then of course, complicating all of this is the report from Steph Bondi and Ian Bagley, I know Ian Bagley didn't explicitly mention that it was the clutch thing that was the issue, but like read between the lines when he said there's other stuff going on here that would prevent the Levine trade to the Knicks. To me, that stuff holds a lot of weight. I might be in the minority there, but I, I just, I don't know for a lot. And then to say nothing of the on-court product in terms of you're trying to figure out a, a situation where, okay, you got Jalen Brunson, Zach Levine, Julius Randle, three bad, mediocre to bad defenders. All of them, their primary value is with the ball in their hands. I, so do the Bulls find a Levine trade? Yeah, maybe. Is it to the Knicks? I, I don't know. All right, that's it. Oh, last thing I want to mention, just because it was a little 
I, I don't I haven't watched a whole lot of Rockets basketball uh, over the last few years, but I know the book on Usman Garuba, who Fisher reports the the the, the uh, Wizards, the Rockets are, you know, asking around about. Um, he's a really good defender. His offensive game is nothing, um, but I bet you you could get him on the relative cheap, and I bet you even more than that. And I think he's not extension eligible until a year from now, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, because he's been in the league two years. So, you know, if the backup to Julius Randle and your team is a guy that's only going to play 12 minutes, then and if you trade for him and he's like looked at as like a defense first guy, you might be able to extend that dude on the cheap too a year from now. I don't know if the if the Rockets are selling low on him. Um, it's a name. It's interesting. He's right by CAA, which again always raises the raises the antennas. Uh, that's it. Uh, I don't have anything else as far as news and stuff. So you guys take this wherever you want to go, and who knows? Maybe we'll get some. Maybe we'll we'll get some some stuff. Oh wait, dude, is this? Oh okay. <laughs> uh, this is from Tommy Beer. Shout out to Tommy. Friend of the show. Uh, has been, been a while since Tommy Beer has been on, but he, he's been on before. Not surprising as it was expected, but hearing the Knicks will in fact pick up the $1.8 million team option on Miles McBride for 23-24, keeping Deuce on the roster for at least one more season. Yeah, that's that's a given. Um, it's certainly picking up the option. Doesn't mean he's going to be here. Doesn't mean they might not move him in a trade, but I... I think they like Deuce. I think they want to keep Deuce around. And I think all things being equal, I think they probably value Deuce more here than other teams would around the league. Okay. Now we can move on. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. And now, a quick break to tell you about our new sponsor, Bird Dogs. Do you want a pair of shorts that aren't just comfortable but make you look good? Well, Bird Dogs has just what you need. Their stretch khakis are designed to fit slimmer, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. That's because they aren't like regular shorts, which are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Instead, they invented a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khakis, but stretches. Now, you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dogs also use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all summer long. So I'll ask again, want to look good while being comfortable? Don't hesitate. Head to birddogs.com to check out their full catalog of shorts, pants, and so much more. You can also use the promo code POOL to receive a free Yeti-style tumbler with your first order. Again, that's birddogs.com. That's bird 
B-I-R-D, dogs, D-O-G-S, dot com, and promo code POOL, P-O-O-L, to receive a free Yeti-style tumbler with your first order. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Shout out to APJP on the ones and twos, by the way, today. Um, and of course, shout out to all of you. So, yeah. Whatever you guys want to talk about. Okay, Ghost Dog LT. I think Ghost Dog got us uh, got us started yesterday, or he definitely had something yesterday. So shout out to, to you for coming back. Bobby Portis fits with the Knicks as a backup four. Do you think the Bucks? Do you see the Bucks looking to move him with sending them Obi? Perhaps entice them? Uh, no, uh, I don't think Obi would entice them. It's funny. Maybe it's just funny to me. Well, well, for a couple of reasons. One, the Bucks already proved that they could win a championship with Bobby Portis playing a really significant role on their team. I think the Bucks really like that three-man, big-man rotation of Bobby Portis, um, uh, Giannis Tetacupo, and, and Brooke Lopez. I think those guys complement each other really well. I think when you put Portis next to Giannis, it makes sense. You could put Portis next to Lopez, it makes sense. Like... Portis is a guy who he, I mean, I don't know what his numbers were, you know, last year, but like he keeps you honest from three. He's a big time energy guy. He seems like he's become a big part of their culture. Um, He just seems like a guy that there's no reason for them to want to move because, and I'll look it up right now. I don't know his contract offhand, but I know they somewhat recently um, gave him the new contract because they, he did them the favor of, um, like doing a one plus one with a player option. So then they could, cause they originally, they couldn't, ex- when they first got him, they couldn't extend him off of the number or they couldn't give him a big number off of the original number they signed him for. By doing that, they were able to extend him for a bigger number, which yes, here we go. Uh, four years, $48 million, which like 11.7 this season, 12.5 next season. And then a player option when he will be a 30 year old, when he'll be 30 years old um, for 13.4, $24 million for Bobby Portis over the next two years in like new CBA, no CBA. That's a fucking good contract for that dude who again has shown you he could be a top five, top six, most important player on, on, on that specific team that to go out and win the championship. I don't know why you'd send him out um, for, for a guy like, for a guy like Obi, but I like Bobby. Bobby, I'm happy Bobby found a home in Milwaukee because it, it didn't go well for him here. And I don't know if that was really all his fault. That the same can be said for a lot of the guys that they signed that summer. Thanks, Ghost Dog. Um oh, also just want to say thanks for all the content this week. It's been a pleasure digesting all the off-season information you all provide. It's our pleasure. Thank you for watching. Thank you for being a part of it. Um, it's been cool to be able to do the live streams during the day and at night. Shout out to Chris and Jeremy. Both of them killed it last night. And uh, yeah, man, again, every super chat uh, helps us out so much. Uh, We're obviously an independent outfit over here and we got a lot of people who contribute. But I mean, look, everybody does it because they love the stuff. We love the Knicks. We love making good content about the Knicks. Um, But yeah, the super chats definitely help. So, you know, feel free to keep them coming. So thank you, Ghost Dog. Appreciate it. L Coriano 11. Can you compare Harden in OKC versus IQ's three years? 
Um, not really, not really for a couple reasons off the top of my head. James Harden was like as the number three pick in the draft, I think was seen as a guy who was going to be a dynamic NBA scorer. Whereas Emmanuel quickly was a guy who was pegged to go in like the thirties and the Knicks obviously took him at 25 because they really wanted to get him. But I don't think coming out of college quickly ever profiled to be anything close to the scorer that Harden was. And then you look at Harden's first years in Oklahoma City and like. No one knew he was he was going to become an MVP level guy, but there were certainly signs that he was a was a special scorer as was again the opinion when he was drafted and it was just a matter of he was on a team next to Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook and it made the most sense for him on that particular team to come off the bench and obviously his shot attempts were uh limited in in that capacity um that being said and I'm pulling up his stats right now by his third year he was averaging he averaged 31 minutes a game, um, 10 shots a game. He was putting up five threes a night and hitting those threes at a 39% clip. And keep in mind, this was over a decade ago where three-point shooting was not quite as prevalent as it is now. But like that dude was averaging 17 points a game off the bench um, in his third year. Like it wasn't hard to forecast that he could go to another team and certainly top 20 points every night. You know, if he was like the second option or or maybe even the third option, but as long as he was starting, depending on who he was starting next to, obviously nobody saw the Houston thing. I understand anybody out there who looks at the impact metrics and nobody does a better job of looking at those than XJ and who looks at Quickly's numbers as a starter. He averaged nearly 20 points a game. As a, uh, uh, averaged nearly 20 points a game as a starter this year. Played a f- fuck ton of minutes. Like, I think he averaged close to 39 minutes a game as a starter. Because, uh, which makes sense. Because if he was a starter, that means one of their top guys are down. And if one of their top guys are down, obviously, Quickly's going to get as many minutes as he can handle. So, you know, and I think like literally I, I don't even know how many players over a hundred players in the league quickly is a guy who's going to look like a better offensive player when he has the ball in his hands more. All that being said, I personally have not seen the level of on ball ability and just, I just don't see him as that level of scorer. <laughs> needless to say, I don't see him as an MVP level scorer because that's what James Harden ended up being. But like, you know, I, I don't know. I just don't see it. I, I see him as a guy. I, I've, I've said this a lot of times and I'll say it again. Emmanuel Cookley's perfect role in the NBA would be a starting being the starting point guard on a healthy version of the Clippers where he gets to play in the same lineup as Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And there are nights where next to those two guys, Emmanuel quickly is going to go off for 20, 25, 30 points. 
but he also doesn't need to be the guy. He doesn't even need to be the second guy. I think that's Quickly's destiny if he's going to reach his peak in the NBA. I don't see him. I don't see his destiny as a, you know, this like multi-time all-star who's averaging 25 points the second he gets into a starting lineup. I, I just don't see. I don't think we have the evidence of that. But that's me. Thanks. Uh, JM, what's going on, Jay? With Van, Fleet, with Van Fleet looking unlikely to stay in Toronto, they will need a point guard to replace him. What if the consolidation trade post Donovan uh, D, or Dante DiVincenzo is quickly an RJ for OG? Maybe also get back Boucher to back up Randall. Um, I like Boucher. Boucher's always been like kind of a live wire to me. And um, although, yeah, no, no, no. And actually, as a added little bonus, I forgot this. They extended him last summer uh, for a bit more than you, bit more than you'd like. Yeah, they gave him three three years and and thirty five million. <laughs> That's a lot of money. Um, so he's on the book. It's a descending contract, though. I forgot that. So he's on the books for eleven point seven and ten point eight, which like okay, you know. But given how the Knicks are, there's machinations that they could move that they could make work where. They could duck the tax not only this season but next season if they took on that. I, I like that as a, a little bit of an added bonus in that deal. I like the creativity there. Obviously, I'm burying the lead. Um, so, so let's say Van Vliet leaves. The ro- let's the, yeah, you know what? Let's let's go ahead and we'll do a, a quick little quick little ra- Raptors deep dive. Um, so their roster at that point. They're going to bring back Pirtle. All indications are going to bring. They're going to bring back Pirtle, and, and Pirtle is going to sign for something in the neighborhood of twenty million dollars a year. It's a good player. It's fine. Um, so they got Pirtle starting at the five. Um, they would. I mean, they don't really play a traditional backup five. They they have that young on the books for next season. He could be their backup five. Oh, Precious Situa. That's the guy I was thinking of before. I couldn't think of his name. So whatever. They got the five covered. They got Pascal at the four, obviously. Scotty Barnes can play four as well. Dad Young can play four. They still got Otto Porter on the books. I think they're looking to unload him, if I recall correctly. So they got the four covered. Ostensibly, Scotty Barnes would be your your starting three. Um, so I think you again you you got those positions mostly covered. And then after that, Gary, Gary Trent Jr. opted in. So he's your starting two. So that takes care of that. Or or if you moved him to the bench, do you slot in Emmanuel Quickly and RJ Barrett as your starting backcourt? It makes some sense. The reason it doesn't make sense is the Raptors this season at times were like a clogged toilet offense. And I think that was even with Fred Van Vliet running the show. Is Fred Van Vliet like a natural point guard? No, he's more of a combo guard, but like, so was Emmanuel quickly. Um, So I don't know if their offensive flow is going to get any better. So then you're talking about like, okay, what's going to prevent it from being a clogged toilet, more shooting. Now does moving Gary Trent Jr. to the bench, who's their best shooter, and inserting R.J. Barrett, who I don't know if you saw, saw the stat uh, that made the rounds from NBA University. Great follow. Go follow them earlier today. 
that RJ Barrett was either like the second or third worst shooter in the league out of over a hundred players on contested catch and shoot threes this season. Um, there was another stat that I saw going around last week that, um, or maybe earlier this week that RJ in terms of high volume guys from every spot on the court, RJ was the worst shooter in basketball uh, on top of the arc threes. Um, now the guy who was the best shooter in basketball on top of the arc threes, Emmanuel quickly over 50%. So, and, and Van Fleet's shot has been a very, very iffy proposition the last few years. When he gets going, as Nick fans know very well, his shot is deadly, but there's also he's also very streaky. Now, again, so was Emmanuel quickly. So I, I think you could argue that like replacing Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr. with quickly and RJ, I think you could argue that the shooting gets even worse. And you in RJ, you add another player to the mix who kind of overlaps in terms of where they want to exist on the court and how they want to play that kind of overlaps with Barnes and to a certain extent Siakam. All that being said, I, I don't know. Maybe they talked themselves into it. The, the, I think that, to be very clear, I think the Knicks would do that in a heartbeat if that was the primary compensation in the trade. Um, and it wasn't quickly an RJ plus, you know, two unprotected Nick picks. The Knicks aren't doing that. You know, is it is if it's quickly an RJ and like a protected pick two protected picks, something like that. Maybe even the Knicks put their own pick in next from next year or something, maybe something like that. Um, I, I would do it then. And even then it's like, yeah, there's arguments against it, but again, last thing I'll say, and I went over this in, in painstaking detail yesterday for everybody who looks at that and be like, why the fuck would the Knicks be doing that? You could argue that Emmanuel quickly is more impactful to winning than OG Ananobi is. To say nothing of the fact that RJ Barrett may be a better player than OG Ananobi as soon as next year. So it's like, why are you trading two guys who are really good or could either are or could be really good for one guy who's been really good, but like also isn't maybe what he's made out to be in some corners? You do it because you can't look at that trade in a vacuum because you have to look at that trade with the caveat of the Knicks would be bringing in Dante DiVincenzo to make up for what some of what they would be losing in Emmanuel quickly and RJ Barrett. And in conjunction with that, make the argument that from a, from a fit perspective on this particular Nick roster in which they are building around Jalen Brunson, first and foremost. Um, and you know, for the time being Julius Randall, uh, but I don't even think we need to throw Randall into the equation. Just you're building around Jalen Brunson. What do you need to put around Jalen Brunson? How do you make his life easier? You get defenders and you get shooters. What do OG Ananobi and Dante DiVincenzo do? They shoot and they defend. You know, um, RJ does maybe maybe one of those things. I, half of the one of those things. I, I don't really know. Quickly, obviously, he's one of the best defenders in basketball when you factor in his his off ball stuff. Um, much like DiVincenzo is. DiVincenzo is, he ain't OG Ananobi in terms of what he brings to the table defensively, particularly in an on-ball capacity. Um, and, you know, he's, he's a small guard, you know, even with the wingspan, he's a small guard. And the shooting with him, as we know, comes and goes. So, I don't know, it's an interesting conversation. It's an interesting conversation. Happy you brought it up. Thanks, Jay.
I'm going to spit out my water. Sam Garcia's fourth grade teacher. I love it. All right, let's get wacky. Knicks get Donovan Mitchell. Okay, here we go. It's wacky already. Cavs get LeBron. Oh, my God. When you said wacky, I didn't, I didn't think we were getting that wacky. Okay, I'll just go with it. Um, the Cavs get LeBron. Okay, um, we're going to keep going. The Lakers get RJ Obi, Deuce, Okoro, a couple first and seconds from us. Um, man, I, I'm i happy my kid is not in the school where Sam, Sam Garcia's fourth grade teacher is currently teaching. I may have to, if I hope it's that's not the case. Who knows? Maybe Sam, Sam Garcia's fourth grade teacher is teaching at my daughter's school and she'll be in that class in a couple of years. I don't know. Um, no, that's that's not gonna that's not gonna be a thing. Sorry. I like the creativity though. Lakers aren't doing that. Lakers are Lakers are not trading LeBron James. And maybe the Cavs aren't trading Thomas Mitchell. Who knows? Juanon, what's going on, Juanon? Good one of my one of my Substack chatters who is uh who is uh, always on point, brings good 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 energy, good humor, and uh good good thoughts to the Substack chat. Um and if you're watching and you're not subscribed to the Knicks Film School newsletter, shameless plug, subscribe to the Knicks Film School newsletter. It's on Substack. Uh, okay, you know who looks good on offense next to small guards? Julius Randle. If you're going to give Fred Van Vliet $80 million over two seasons, then you're going to want to compliment him, right? Hanging up now, your thought. I- I've said it before on here, I think, and I've, I've, I've written it. I think Houston's the most logical destination for Julius Randle for several reasons. One, they seem desperate to be relevant. Julius Randle makes you all kinds of relevant in the regular season. He's done it two of the last three years. Number two, Julius Randle is from Texas. I understand he's not from Houston, Texas, and I understand Texas is a very large state. Um, That being said, perhaps there's some interest in being much closer to home, where my understanding is his family lives, um, to the extent that, you know, the Knicks would be happy, would, would trade him anywhere. You know, because he really he does really have his life set up here in New York. Um, now I don't know. Maybe his maybe his wife and and kid would would stay here in New York, and and uh, he I don't I don't I don't know how it would work out. But like I I just he's from Texas. That's all. He's from the Dallas area. Maybe going to Houston would would appease him. Number three, and I hope I hope he doesn't mind me saying this. I don't think this was like said in like strict confidence. So. Someone, a B reporter who's on the show a lot, has opined to me. This is not like a source thing. It's just his, his opinion. I don't think he'll mind me sharing that Houston, and actually, it, it's, it doesn't even, I don't even need, I don't think I'm breaking confidence here because you can just look at the t- sorts of players that they've gone after in the recent years. They seem to think that they can like gain a market inefficiency by getting guys who are really, really talented at, at basketball, but may not be the highest IQ players in the world or may lack a feel for the game in some instances. Uh, You want to talk about a talented guy that at times seems to lack in the feel slash basketball IQ department? Look no further than Julius Randle. And if Houston continues to kind of go the way that they've been going and, and try to get those caliber of players because they feel that they are undervalued, um, you know, and now they have a sort of coach in Ime Udoka who maybe can mold those lumps of clay into something, you know, greater than themselves, greater than the sum of the parts, the whole thing. 
I don't know. Maybe they would they would value him. So then, of course, it's a matter of okay. Well, what's the trade? Because I, for as much as I would be super excited if the Knicks shocked us all and decided to take a chance um, on Donovan Mitchell just tweeted out. I see we are bored this beautiful afternoon. Um, <clears throat> anyway, take a chance on Jalen Green, another CAA client, by the way, a, a guy that they were definitely doing research on in terms of looking at his uh, tape before not immediately before that draft because they obviously weren't in a position to draft him, but I'm talking like a year ahead of time. I, I know they were looking to tape on him. They were very interested in him. Um, I don't think they're going to do that. I think it would be a scenario where maybe Julius goes to Houston. They kind of inherit him into the cap space left over um, from the, from after they signed Van Vliet. And then the Knicks, maybe, maybe the Knicks get like Garuba, but the primary components of the deal, I would think, would be a high, high, high pedigree piece, Jalen Green, perhaps, um, or maybe someone, I don't know, maybe it'd be somebody else going somewhere. And then wherever that player goes, the that team that he goes to would send a big piece back to the Knicks. And we could sit here all day trying to figure out fake three team trades. Uh, but you know, another challenge maybe would be that like they just drafted Jabari Smith and Jabari Smith seems to be a four. Maybe they see him as a three. I, I don't really know. Um, yeah, I mean, well, I don't know, but I it's interesting to me. That's for shit sure. It's definitely interesting to you to, to, to hear you bring that up. Okay. Thanks, Juanon. Appreciate you as always. Joseph Raimondi, is there a crazy Donovan to Brooklyn? RJ and goodies to Cleveland and McCall to the Knicks possibility. Oh, I'm so happy you brought this up. So this would be my fear if I was the Knicks this summer. Let's just say for argument's sake, for argument's sake, the Cavs are getting tight sphincters because they are reading the tea leaves and the tea leaves suggest that Donovan Mitchell will get the F out of Cleveland the first chance he gets. And they have decided quietly, quietly to, you know, explore the market for Donovan Mitchell. Okay. Well, if they're trading him a year after getting him, there's going to be very few teams that are going to give up substantial packages to get him if they think that he's just going to do the same thing to them as he's planning on doing to Cleveland and leave in two years or force his way out sooner than that. Although I don't think um, he's a force his way out kind of guy. At that point, if you're the Knicks, you'd be like, great. We're in the driver's seat again. But they were in the driver's seat once before. I personally, and yes, I was the same guy. I, I, there are a few things I, I like to toot my own horn about. This is one of them. From January of 2019, I was sitting. It was a different microphone. It was a different place, house, borough, whatever, county. Well, everything was different. But I sat in front of a microphone and repeatedly was like, why are we not considering the real possibility that KD just wants to go to Brooklyn? He seems like a chill dude. Maybe he doesn't give a fuck about resurrecting the Knicks. Maybe he just wants to come to New York. 
and maybe he wants to lead a chill life, which turned out to be exactly true. And that was like somewhat informed, but it was mostly just like me again, trying to read the tea leaves. I don't think Donovan Mitchell cares about being a Nick. I think Donovan Mitchell would like to be in New York. Maybe he'd prefer to be a Nick. My two cents. I think he'd be perfectly fine being a net. Um, now, if the Nets are going to go after Donovan Mitchell, I don't think for a second that they're giving up Mikal Bridges. I think they would be using the picks that they got in the, the, the Phoenix picks, the Dallas pick, maybe one of their wings. To me, they could just leave the Knicks out of it and they could just send a bunch of picks and, um, you know, I don't know if it would be a couple wings. I don't know if it would be, you know, we're giving you the mother load of picks, but you got to take the Simmons contract and we'll give you another wing. And then you send something else our way, you know, maybe someone that makes the same as, as whatever the wing makes, you know, Chetty Osman or something like that to balance out the bad contract for bad contract. Um, obviously, Simmons contract is much worse than Chetty Osman, but like you get the gift, like whatever. Simmons and, and Royce O'Neal for, for Donovan Mitchell and, and Chetty Osman. I think the money works out there. And, and Brooklyn gives Cleveland all the picks. Um, like, would Cleveland do that? I, I have no idea. Um, they probably want a better wing than Royce O'Neal. Maybe they would want, maybe they would, maybe they would require um, Dorian Finney-Smith in that trade. Uh, because they're like, okay, at least we get, we know we get a starting wing who can play 35 minutes a night. Um, but at the same time, you're not replacing the Donovan Mitchell starting spot in your, in your lineup. Um, unless you feel like, you know, a is going to come along. So who knows? Maybe they would want two of Brooklyn's wings and they're going to say, keep your Ben Simmons. We want two premium wings from you, from you. Maybe they want, I mean, Joe Harris isn't a premium wing anymore, but maybe they ask for Joe Harris and Dory Finney Smith. The point is, I think the bones of a deal would be there. Presuming. Brooklyn was willing to also pony up picks and Cleveland valued those picks enough either to use them in the future or to feel like, great, we restocked our coffers a little bit. Um, depending on what the years of those picks would be, it may even help them avoid the uh, Stepien rule of not being able to trade first round picks in back-to-back years because don't forget, Cleveland still owns their own picks with swap rights, but with their own picks every other year from the Donovan situation. So if they could fill in those gaps in the years that they've traded away, all of a sudden Cleveland's like, great, we're back to being able to trade a bunch of future firsts. I don't know. I think that I think a deal would make a ton of sense between those two teams. Um, what I don't think is going to happen is the sort of trade that you're talking about. Cause I don't Brooklyn it makes no sense for Brooklyn to get Donovan and, and send Mikal Bridges elsewhere. Um, and if the Knicks are going to be involved in the Donovan Mitchell trade, you damn well better believe they're getting Donovan Mitchell. That would be my two cents. Drew Trombley. What's going on, Drew? Kentucky Wildcats, Villanova Wildcats. Coincidence. I swear to God, I never thought about this before. That's wild. We never, we always thought it was the Kentucky thing. It's not the Kentucky thing. It's it's the Wildcats thing. Man, maybe um I don't know, maybe World Wide West is a werewolf or something. But that's a that's a wolf, not a cat. I don't even know if that's the same animal family. Uh yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's 
Great stuff. Good job, Drew. MVP of the day. Hey, what's up? Jonathan Macri here with our good friends at Oakley to tell you why Jalen Brunson's incredible first season in New York was more than meets the eye. Is it that Brunson became the first point guard in Knicks history to average at least 24 points a game? Is it that he became just the second player in NBA history to average at least 24 points, six assists, and under 2.5 turnovers? No and no! It's that he did both of those things all while playing on a below-market contract that will become even more valuable under the new collective bargaining agreement. So yes, we should all be very thankful that the Mavericks had to find out the hard way that Jalen Brunson is more than meets the eye. What's up, Knicks fans? Super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Express your style and build a look that's made just for you. Oakley's changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, train, or just want to look like your favorite athlete? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self and an expression of your personality, with Oakley, there's more than meets the eye. Here at Knicks Film School, our motto is look good, play good and that's why oakley is the perfect partner for us not a one of us leaves the house in the morning without our oakley's and listen up because it's officially almost summer which means you need to upgrade your sunglass game now check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair today also did you know that oakley even offers prism lens technology now i know what you're thinking gmac what the hell is that Well, it's a technology solely used by Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? Head on over to oakley.com and check it out for yourself. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses. That'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me. Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. Uh, Alan Alford, what's going on, Alan? Mac, player development and drafting is important. Nine-man rotation doesn't allow for this. Devaluing players is a Tibbs specialty. We had to get a Tibbs a Tibbs criticism in here during the live stream. Um, yeah, I think there's different ways to develop players. Some organizations do it better than others. Um, you will rarely... I mean, the number of coaches in the league who play rookies or second year players even who aren't ready to contribute to winning, you know, unless it's like a mandate from ownership um, for a team that's like, we're trying to lose essentially like no coach wants to do that. No coach wants to do that. And by the way, you're talking about a coach that um, played Emmanuel quickly and Obi Toppin as a rookie. You're talking about a coach who played Quentin Grimes 700 minutes as a rookie and would have played him a lot more if he hadn't gotten hurt. Talk about a coach who played Deuce McBride as a rookie. Um, you're talking about a coach who's who played Jericho Sims as a rookie. He played Jericho Sims last year. He was more or less still a rookie because he played so little as a as a first year player. Um, Tom Thibodeau is like most coaches. He'll play guys that help him win. Um, and if you think shuffling him out for and, and oh by the way. Um, Nine-man rotation doesn't allow for development. The implication there, obviously, is that we should be playing guys more minutes because playing more minutes in an NBA game is how you develop players. Why don't you go ask Kevin Knox about that theory? 
Ask Kevin Knox about how well he developed playing all the minutes he could get um, as a young player. Well, then you go and be like, okay, well, you can't give the guy all the minutes. You have to make him earn some of the minutes, but not all of the, like, all of a sudden you're fucking trying to ice skate sideways and upside down. You know, it's, you either make your guys earn their minutes or you don't. And uh, there's no one foolproof path to development. Uh, Here's, you want a hot take? Good players will become good players and bad players will not. There's my hot take. Thanks, Alan. Sam L. It feels like we are leaving one era in the NBA and entering a new one. The winds of change are blowing. Why not us, Macri? Thread that needle, baby. Uh, I think you're referring to the Zach Lopez from yesterday. Drink. Where he basically openly asked the question and he didn't answer it. He left it open-ended as to whether... I'm kind of like whether we're entering an age of parity and whether teams, more importantly, whether teams think that we are entering an age of parity. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I look. What <laughs> a transcendent basketball player who, and again, I know we've, we overuse this term, but like if he stays the course and, continues his current career trajectory. He's going to wind up in the Pantheon. Like just won the NBA championship. Who did he have around him? He had uh, Jamal Murray, who's a guy who I know he is not technically has not made an all-star team, but like that dude's an all-star level player, you know? So that was his second in command. And those two guys, you want to talk about two guys who complement each other perfectly, perfectly. Um, you know, and then you surround them with like a really, really good supporting cast. Aaron Gordon, a guy who's super high pedigree player, versatile, fills in every gap. Like that was such a good team. Now they're only one team, but like there always there always seems to be one team that rises above and is the cream of the crop. And I don't think NBA championships happen by accident, and this one certainly didn't. I think you still have to approach team building in the same way as it has been done for the majority of the history of this league. I say the majority because I do think that there were times, and again, Lowe touches on this uh, more than touches on it. He, he explores it in the piece. There was a time where it's like, if you didn't have a big three, you weren't going to stand a chance. I think that has changed. And again, that's in large part due to the finances, but also due to the fact that like, we haven't really, not that we've never seen a big three work, but like the way big threes are conceived of where it's like three stars or superstars, like someone inevitably takes a lesser role. Um, I don't know. I look. The Knicks just need to keep putting one foot in front of the other. Don't don't make any stupid moves. Try to add value with every transaction. Try to stay liquid or as liquid as possible. You know. And the biggest thing is like, don't don't pour the cement until you know, like the like. I'm going to mess up this analogy. 
don't pour the cement until you 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 know you have like you, you got the shape you want, right? If you need to like clean up the edges a little bit or whatever, but like once you pour the cement, that's it. You you know, and look, me maybe you never need to pour the cement, but like that to me is one thing that hasn't changed with the new CBA in terms of teams, and this has been the case for really a while now. It's like teams get to a certain point and then they're on the precipice and they're like, okay, let's jump in the deep end. Let's pour the cement. Let's, let's go, let's go for it. And in doing so they use their, you know, they, they basically empty the chamber and like, I don't, I don't know that there's a way around that. Like the warriors are like, they are, we're trying to do this two two timeline thing. Um, I'm trying to think of another team that has that has attempted it. I feel like there's another team that I'm not thinking of that's like kind of attempting it right now. Um, and I'm of course drawing a blank. Uh, but like it's you kind of have to go for it at some point because and I think and I'll end with this. And maybe this is the thing that reverts back. I don't know. I just feel like now if you're for for a while now, for many for at least half a decade now, and feels like probably for much longer than that. If you're a guy who is seen as someone who could play 25 minutes in a high level playoff game, you're just, you're going to get, you know, now it'd be, it's like 15 to $20 million, you know, or, you know, equivalent portion of the salary cap in, in whatever year you're talking about. Maybe that will start to change. I, I, that's what fascinates me most about the, the next couple of years. Like everybody keeps saying the middle class is going to get squeezed. I, I agree, but, I wonder if that's a uniform thing or I wonder if like certain sorts of players, wings, you know, wings with size, wings who could do different things, you know, w- will not get squeezed. Um, I, I don't know how I got off on this tangent. Anyway, interesting stuff to consider. Thanks for the question, Sam. Uh, Herbie Mack, what's going on, Herbie? Rockets may sign a vet like Harden. Uh, I don't think they're going to sign Harden. I think they're going to sign Van Fleet based on the reporting. Drafted Eamon Thompson. Could trade Jalen Green for Vet. Green's talented. The Knicks need a shot creator. Cap-wise, the Knicks got Brunson cheap. Can strategize on Green's talent. Again, I, I said it before. I guess you had this comment probably before um, Before I talked about that. I like To me, if you're a team like the Knicks and you unfortunately... like Yes, you could say like Jay, getting Jalen Brunson for his contract is like the equivalent of nailing a draft pick in a big way where you get a star in the draft. I still don't think it's quite the same. The closest equivalent that they could get to that now um, would be to get a, I don't even know if I call it a buy low because you're, you're paying. If you're, if the Rockets are trading Jalen Green, they're paying. They're they're you're paying, man. That guy was the number two pick in the draft, and he's shown some real chops over the last two years. Also has some questions. So I I don't know. I I just I would be shocked if the Knicks gave up what it would take to get either in a unless you know and who knows maybe I don't know. I, I like the idea. I like where your head's at. I, just, I don't th- know if I think it's a realistic possibility. Um, Adam Leibowitz. What's going on, Adam? 
In a world where Obi does not fetch a first, but could maybe fetch a similarly similarly talented, underutilized young player, are there players you could see the Knicks being interested in Duarte, Duarte or Davion? I don't see the Kings having any reason to trade Davion. I think the Kings are just trying to run everything back while upgrading that that um that power forward spot which is why you hear them connected to Kyle Kuzma and connected to Draymond Green. Um, you know, that's where I see them looking. Duarte, I mean, look, the, the Duarte thing and, and uh, Caitlin Cooper had an astute uh, tweet a, a little little while ago um, in regards to the Pacers um, perhaps ominously um, leaving uh, Chris Duarte off their summer league roster. Um, now, Chris Chris Duarte oh, apparently Windy. Okay, so apparently Windy just uh, calmed calmed the waters. Said the Knicks, the Cavs are not trading Darius Garland. They're not trading Donovan Mitchell. Okay, there you go. I don't know. Maybe it's Mo- maybe it is Mobley. Who the hell knows? Um. Anyway, Duarte's a he's a year further along. Than those other guys. So I don't know. I, I don't honestly. I continue to. See the Knicks in their ideal world, including Obi in a larger trade, um, because then. You're getting something big back in the trade. And you could at least. Tell yourself whether it's true or not. You could tell yourself, like, look, we got real value for Obi Toppin. Will they actually be getting real value? I, I don't know. But like a player that makes more a player that makes more sense for them. I, it would have to be a, we keep coming back to the Pacers because Obi Toppin would seem to make so much sense on a team with Tyrese Halliburton and um and Miles Turner, but like the Pacers are linked to like a higher caliber of player than Obi Toppin, you know? So do they, I mean, do they want to trade for Obi as a backup for maybe he'd get more minutes there as a backup for than he would as a backup for here. I don't know. I mean, then the other one is the wizards. So like, I don't know. You want to look at the wizards roster real quick. We can look at the wizards roster. I mean, that's the team that both me and Jeremy agree. Maybe he'd actually get real playing time there. So you have Denny Avdia, who was picked like one pick or two picks after Obi Toppin in the same draft. Um, He extension eligible. Like, I don't know how the new wizards brass feels about him. He's a guy who the shot hasn't come around. He's a really good defender. Um, has moments. Really, really good rebounder. Um, would he make more sense on the Knicks? Or would the Knicks kind of rather have Obi Toppin like, hey, man, at least Obi's good from the corners? I I don't know. Would the Wizards do that deal? I don't know. But that's a guy. Um, I mean, Johnny Davis, I kind of I mentioned him offhandedly on a recent podcast. Like they just drafted Johnny Davis 10th last year and then did not play him at all. And when they played him, he was very bad. So is that the sort of like buy low opportunity? I mean, you might be getting nothing if you trade for Johnny Davis. That guy just might stink. And, you know, I do, do, again, do, but are the Wizards ready to pull the plug there? I don't know. I don't, I don't see them trading Kispert. That's for sure. Um, 
Yeah, I don't. It's tough because like. I feel like teams usually like they're, they're they like their young guys or they 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 put on that they like their young guys for for a while. Um, I'll think about that some more, but I, I don't know that I see an I don't know that I see an obvious an obvious one. I kind of let me I don't know maybe I'll Garuba and Houston. I don't know, maybe. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I see another obvious one. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, okay. Thanks, Adam. Appreciate the question. I'm sure they'd love Herbert Jones from New Orleans. Unfortunately, it would take a hell of a lot more than Obi Toppin to get Herb Jones. Uh, okay. Dan Adago. What's going on, Dan? Is the new CBA created an environment that will supercharge tanking? High draft picks are more valuable than ever. Um, no. I think I think teams were are were already like I no I don't I don't think the incentive structure has has because you're what you're implying there is that it's you're getting good production for cheap but really the like if you're talking about production that actually leads to winning that doesn't really happen until usually year two of a player's career or year three of a player's career. And yes, it is cheap talent, but like there are only so many of the, like, (laughs) I don't think that's the thing that's going to encourage tanking more. And I think for evidence of that, all you have to do is look around the league at the fact that they're, right now appears to be one team, one team that is going to tank this season. And that's Washington. You know, maybe there's, maybe there's a team that joins them, but it's, it's not going to be many teams. Like if it was, yeah, I I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I understand where your mind's at there. I, I no, Cause at the end of the day, like if you, so if you tank, you're probably going to do it like the way to tank properly is to do it over multiple years and accumulate many bites at the apple. And pretty soon you're going to find yourself in a situation like the Hawks or like that Houston has coming down the pike before they're going to realize it, which is why they're trying to offload some of these young players. We're all these young, like you got all these young players. If they're any good, you got to pay them. And if they're not that good, it's kind of, honestly, it's kind of like the situation the Knicks are in where they have like, okay, they just paid RJ pretty good young player. They're supposed to play quickly this year. Pretty good young player. You're going to play Quinn Grimes next year. Pretty good young player. Like that's just three players that they've hit on in three consecutive years. Um, and like, they're not going to keep all those guys. Like, well, they're, they're going to trade one, if not more, maybe this off season. So, you know, I don't know. There's, there, I feel like there's just no way. It, definitely incentive to me. The value is maybe like, you want more like late round picks, late first round, like second round pick picks, because that gives you bites at the apple that don't entail you losing a ton of games. Like teams just don't want to lose games. I don't, I don't think, I don't think teams have an appetite for that. I think the plan has become a real incentive. You know, I'm just looking around the league. It's just, nobody's tanking. And like, 
they knew what the CBA was going to be, and yet teams don't seem to be pivoting into tanks. It's even teams that it would potentially make sense for. Thanks, Dan. Larry Brown, thoughts on Clee Torres, undrafted out of LSU. Larry, you could be Clee Torres, and uh, I wouldn't know. I, I sadly, I don't really have any opinions on him. I just the only thing I know about undrafted guys is the Knicks just signed a Fordham kid uh, from Elmont, New York. Shout out to him to play on their summer league team. Um, but I'll go look up Clee Torres, and I'll I'll try to come back with an opinion on him tomorrow. Sorry, wish I had more for you there. Cool name. But that's it. All right. All right. That's it. Uh, we're the perfect timing. We made it over an hour. Um, thank you, everybody, for checking out um, today's lunch break. We will be back tomorrow. Uh, same bad time, same bad channel, 12 o'clock, at which point we will be a day away from when the madness can officially start. It'd be cool if we actually got some real news to talk about tomorrow, but appreciate all the questions. Good questions today. And uh, tonight, unless I'm mistaken, we have Fred Katz going live um, to answer your questions. If you want it, that is Fred Katz of the athletic. I think he just dropped a piece. I'm going to read it as soon as I get off here. Uh, go subscribe to the athletic. He's awesome. They're awesome. And yeah, thanks for checking it out. Hit the like button, the whole thing. Subscribe to the channel and uh, we will talk to you soon. Peace out. Headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com